Hello friends, thank you for tuning in this week. Got a great episode for you. Before I introduce the guest, as always, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps boost the show, grow the audience, and ultimately helps me create the best podcast for you guys. Additionally, please go follow me on social media, R-O-Y-B-T-Z on Instagram and R-O-Y underscore B-N-T-Z on Twitter. On Twitter, if you go to my profile page, you can go directly to the newsletter and subscribe. That'll give you access to updates, occasional blog posts, news about guests, and the future of the show. And most importantly, it's just an easy way for you to get the podcast into your inbox week in and week out. Finally, please consider supporting this independent podcast. I currently do not work with any ads, any companies, so I don't promote anything. I'm trying to keep this as independent as possible. So if you see value in the podcast, please show your support and support this independent podcast. Finally, if you are looking to start your own podcast, I have a full tutorial that's out and I will be sure to link it in the show notes. It covers everything you need to know about how and why to start a podcast. So if this is something you're interested in, again, check the show notes, it's there. All right, on to the guest. This week I have Michael Marksberry. Michael is the founder and CEO, co-founder I should say, and CEO of Oros. And the secret sauce in Oros is that they have created a different type of insulation. It's their own proprietary thing. It's called Solar Core, which is made out of aerogel. And if you want to know what those things are, listen to the podcast. Michael explains everything. So I love jackets. I love the outdoors, as anyone listening to this podcast would know. So naturally, I love outdoor apparel and gear. And I was interested because I saw this a while back and it just didn't seem reasonable that such a thin jacket could support you and keep you warm in such, you know, sub-zero temperatures. And I was just interested to learn more about the company, about Michael, about what he sees as the future of insulation and how they've managed to come up with solution to what he calls the bulkiness, the Michelin man. Anyone that's been in really cold temperatures has experienced this, the massive jacket that you can barely put your hands down. So this was a fascinating conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm sure you guys will as well. So without further ado, let me introduce this week's guest, Michael Marksbury. Enjoy the episode, everyone. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. All right, and we are live. Michael, thanks for coming on the podcast. Roy, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm glad we could get it done. I've uh, been watching your company for many years. Uh, I think I probably saw it originally on Instagram or something. And uh, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And so I've been following and I'm glad we could, uh, you could come on the podcast and we can talk about it, you and the company. Awesome, I'm happy to be here. So for the view, for sorry, not the viewers, but the listeners who are listening and may not know you, can you give us a little bit of an intro about who you are? Yeah, of course. Your background? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Michael Marksberry, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Oros. Uh, we are a uh, material technology company that creates the most advanced uh, scientific thermal materials on the planet. Uh, and if you want, can jump into my, uh, the founder story and kind of how we got here. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd love to hear that. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I grew up in Ohio. Uh, and I went to a school um, in Oxford, Ohio, called Miami University. And my sophomore year of college, I went backpacking across Europe. Uh, ended up climbing the tallest mountain uh, in the Northeast Swiss Alps. Uh, incredible experience. Uh, one really big problem. Uh, I'm on top of the mountain and I look just like the Mitchell man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I'm a science geek, uh, at heart. And, um, back in school, they were teaching us about, you know, the CRISPR Cas9 gene system. Like we were editing human genomes, okay. uh, space tourism at the time wasn't a reality, but was close to being, and certainly is, you know, there today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was looking at all these industries and they were all evolving at this rapid pace. And I guess the thing that didn't make sense to me is, um, it, it looked like this one wasn't because the jacket that I was wearing was insulated with animal byproducts or goose down mm-hmm. same stuff we've been using for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And it didn't make sense to me that all these other industries were evolving at this rapid pace. And this one of insulation or thermal materials wasn't, uh, it, it made no sense to me. I thought that there had to be a better way to cut the bulk and still stay, still stay warm. Um, and so I came back to the U S kind of obsessed with that problem and did my research and um, looked basically across every application or industry to find a solution for this problem, this Michelin man problem I had. Yeah. And every thermal material in the world operated under the same premise where it needed, you know, bulk or loft or airspace to, to work. Mm-hmm. So it was really bulky. Um, and so there, there was no real way to solve the, the, the problem. And the more interesting thing to me was you'd think with like all the bulky materials we were using to insulate things that we were, you know, doing a good job managing thermal energy. Uh, but we're not, uh, global energy consumption rising 1.5% a year of which 50% is thermal energy. Uh, mm. uh, uh, 39% of uh, global greenhouse gas emissions are thermal energy related. So mm. even though like we're using like really bulky and, and, and lots of insulation materials to um, insulate things, we're, not, we're still not doing a good job managing thermal energy. So it, this whole industry, when I learned all this, was like, oh my gosh, super antiquated. Long story short, thermal materials were letting us down uh, and, and just incredibly overlooked. So I thought like, hey, maybe if we could solve this Michelin man problem, uh, we could solve some of these bigger problems as well. Um, and uh, I got really lucky, ended up learning about, um, uh, I got a scholarship from the uh, Astronaut Scholarship Foundation, which started by the uh, uh, an incredible group of astronauts. Um, and through that scholarship, I learned about this NASA technology called Aerogel. Mm-hmm. Uh, NASA said that this Aerogel tech uh, was the lowest thermal conductive solid in existence with the best insulation in the world. 
what is so it? Good. What 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 like what does it consist of? Aerogel. Awesome question. Um, so aerogel isn't necessarily a substance or a material. It's more of a, a process. Said another way, you can make aerogel out of um, a lot of different things, uh, whether it's a polymer, or copper, or zinc, or the most common is amorphous silica, which is the same stuff that's in like glass and sand and you know all that stuff. But aerogel is more of a process um, where you basically uh, remove the substance becomes ninety nine percent air. Uh, or 98.9% or air. Um, and with that air, you have this material that does an amazing job preventing uh, uh, conduction, especially thermal conduction. Um, uh, so it's more of a process rather than it is a specific type of, of, of material. Um, the, the way that you used to um, conduct that process uh, was called supercritical drying, um, really high heat, really high pressure. So you could remove, um, uh, uh, you could create that amount of air. Uh, more recently though, there's been a lot of progress towards ambient conditions um, or being able to operate that in that same process without the need for um, uh, supercritical drying. So, uh, so many questions. So A, I guess NASA, obviously uses this in their materials is it i don't know is it is it clothing for astronauts is it insulation inside the you know the whatever whatever is that they use like what do they use it for awesome question so uh nasa's use it for a couple of different applications uh most relevant is they use it to insulate a majority of the mars rovers oh, okay. uh yeah so uh, space really cold um you know close to absolute zero, right? Like negative yeah. 455 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever that is. That's chilly. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and so they needed insulation uh, for the Mars rovers and did that. They've had some other uses, uh, 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 capturing space dust, which gives some other properties that Aerogel has, less related to thermal, in uh, a couple other applications. Um, uh, but the, 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 the big one was used on the Mars rovers for uh, insulation. And then what material, because you said it, the aerogel is actually just the process, but what, and, and you said that there, you can use a bunch of different materials. What materials do you guys use in the jackets? Yeah, so um, that we use the exact same material, base material that NASA used on the Mars rovers, which is that amorphous silica okay. uh, that I referenced. So that's sand? Um, well, uh, well, it's this uh, same base element that's in sand and glass, right? So they both have silica um in them just as this specific type of aerogel does as well well where, what so where would you um where would you get this material from yeah uh so amorphous silica aerogel um created in the early uh 1930s uh so the original uh intellectual property on amorphous silica aerogel uh long since expired uh, uh, so amorphous silica aerogel is pretty widely produced, uh, across the world. Um, mm -hmm. getting your hands on it is not the hard challenge. The, uh, so there's a variety of producers, the hard challenge with amorphous silica aerogel, uh, and the reason this incredible technology that has the opportunity to not just solve the Mitchell man problem I had, but these global problems are, as well around thermal energy usage, 
you'd think it's been adopted widely, you know, this technology would be adopted everywhere. Not the case. The reason why is amorphous silica aerogel is super brittle. Mm-hmm. If you poke it, it shatters into a thousand little pieces. Oh, wow. Really bad news bears for every, almost every application. Yeah. Uh, and so the, that was the problem that we ran into at Oros when we first got our hands on this incredible technology. Uh, getting our hands on it was the easy part. Uh, uh, so we spent uh, two years, uh, our sophomore years of college to our senior years, uh, maniacally obsessed with that problem of how do you take the best insulation in the world, this aerogel stuff, mm-hmm. and just make it not brittle. Uh, so you can use it across a wide variety of applications, including apparel. Um, and by our senior years of college, uh, we ended up creating, uh, the first flexible and durable, uh, aerogel composite in the world. Um, and that's wow. called solar core. Uh, and that's what powers all of our gear, uh, today. So solar core is your proprietary, um, I don't know, whatever you would call a proprietary thing that you've developed? That's correct. Uh, so we're fortunate to have uh, patents on, on SolarCore. Uh, and again, what makes SolarCore unique is, you know, um, this most popular form of aerogel, amorphous silica, um, while it's an amazing insulation, best insulation on Earth is super brittle. So yeah. you were very limited in the use case. Um, and it's a perfect solution to solve all the problems that we were talking about earlier, including the, my own experience of the Michelin man. Uh, we just, we needed to make it not brittle so that you could actually use it. Yeah. Uh, uh and, and, and so that's what we did with, with solar core. Um, and solar core is an incredible technology because, um, uh, one, uh, it, it's, it's warmer than every insulation. Uh, we've tested. Uh, I think we've tested over 350 to date, um, uh, and it's warmer than than all of them. And typical standard test methods, uh, I think we use ASTM C518 for those curious. Um, yeah, and that's great. It's warmer than all the other installations out there. Yeah. But the real value proposition gets back to that problem that I had when I looked like the Michelin Man on top of the mountain, really bulky. It's back to the same problem that every thermal material has had since the beginning of time, which is bulk, loft, airspace. We need volume for this stuff to work. That is not true with solar core. Solar core under compression, 15 PSI, basically no volume, Mm -hmm. maintains 97% of the thermal performance it had pre-compression. Wow. Said another way. For the first time in history, you can have a thin amount of insulation that actually delivers thermal performance. That's the really big difference. No longer is there this dependency on volume and bulk in order to provide thermal value. For the first time in history, less is warm. That's the real difference. Uh, 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 And so what it means for the Oros Apparel brand is no more bulky Michelin Man. You have a long sleeve shirt that keeps you warm, so freezing. But the applications are pretty endless uh, from that perspective. Um, uh, at some point, we should talk about some of the work we do with the Department of Defense and, and, and all that. But um, uh, that's the real value proposition of solar core. Okay, so I have a I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> so I guess for years they focused 
the industry, the outdoors industry, focused on weight, not bulk necessarily, right? Because they they have gotten things, jackets, even the big ones, to I don't know, a handful of grams, right? Like they're pretty, and they can fit into like the pocket. But no one focused on the bulk, and that's how you guys differentiate from the average, you know, Patagonia, TNF, Marmot, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a thousand percent. And, and I just, I would say one more thing as well. Sure. Um, getting back to less is warm and what that really means. Uh, the warm is clear. Um, and the less to your point is clear as well. Yes. To your point, it's less bulk. But it has so much more meaning than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less layers. Uh, it's less materials. It's less consumption. And in the process of having a more efficient thermal system, we have the opportunity to solve some of these bigger problems as well. We have the opportunity to severely mitigate the amount of thermal energy that we need uh, 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 for humanity. Um, And so there's a lot of power in that word, yet less. And it really gets into Oros's approach on sustainability. Um, So Yeah, uh, the the fashion industry is highly unsustainable. Um, I remember I was watching something recently and the amount of... um, amount of things that get thrown into lands into landfills into the ocean the microplastics all the different stuff it's one of the most wasteful industries and yeah to te- if there's a product that you know whatever it is if, if your jacket takes half the amount of you know um, things to produce versus a Patagonia it's a no-brainer but I'm interested because I have not tried the jacket it looks great. It really does. And I, I love jackets. I love outdoors gear and, and, and apparel. But it, I think for me, and, and, and this is, I would love to, to get your, your take as far as you know, educating the, the consumer. I look at it, I'm like, there's absolutely no way. And again, I have not tried this. This is just visual through looking at the website. I'm like, there's no way this can warm me the same as the, one of those Michelin man jackets that's supposed to like, you know, warm you on top of Everest, right? So, like, how do you get past that hurdle? It's an awesome question. Um, there is a lot of consumer education involved, um, for better or worse, uh, in terms of convincing a consumer of exactly that proposition. Um, there's certainly an early adopter curve of people who are excited to buy in to that value proposition and in 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 um, certainly our target consumer, um, but educating the consumer on the value, uh, is a, a big part of our ad spend from a dollar's perspective. Um, it, you're absolutely right. I think what we found is, um, once we convert a consumer, the lifetime value of that consumer, uh, is pretty incredibly high, uh, it, which is incredibly beneficial for the community and the company uh, that we're building. Yeah. Cause I mean, essentially it's I'm trying to think of like a, a parallel for something else. Um, 
but anyway, like uh, if you look at the jacket, it's essentially it looks like a mid layer of what or what we know as a mid layer. But you guys are saying that it works just as the bulkiest jacket known to to man, like a, like a big mountaineer jacket that's supposed to take you up there. Have you guys? I mean, I guess a have you have you you've obviously tested it, but I'm just interested like where you've tested this, and b like have you? Do you work with like any mountaineers or ice climbers or like, you know, adventurous type athletes where they can attest to this? Great questions. Um, so a couple of things. One, I think, uh, at Oros, we, we're not a fan of the word layer. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh our goal and the, the, the original vision for the brand Oros apparel from a technology and a product perspective was this audacious goal of creating a long sleeve shirt that could keep a consumer warm sub freezing mm -hmm. so not just thinner and warmer outerwear uh but removing uh the entirety of the bulk and layers involved in the process of staying warm so in uh, New York, was, New York City in winter, I could wear a shirt, just one long sleeve shirt. That is a hundred percent the technological vision at Oros. Wow! To do that, you've got to rethink how insulation, and especially insulation in apparel, is done. Yeah, you you can't just put something inside of a jacket whether goose down or even our current technology solar core and put it in the jacket and hope for the best. Yeah. You've got to rethink insulation and the fiber of the long sleeve shirt itself needs to be that insulation and it needs to be an incredibly warm fiber, the warmest fiber on earth. Um, the problem with creating that fiber is if you remember amorphous silica aerogel, super brittle. So if you put it on a fiber in any meaningful capacity, the fiber becomes super brittle. Mm -hmm. So you the vision of that fiber, um, seemed very impossible, uh, to achieve. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, at least that was until, um, two years ago, um, with some really incredible partnerships, uh, with the department of defense and others, um, uh, we ended up creating the first fiber sample, um, using a newer form of aerogel, um, and that fiber, uh, at least of all the fibers we've tested is the warmest fiber on earth. Um, can't talk a lot more about it today, but uh, <laughs> uh, the point is um, uh, if we were just another outerwear brand, I don't think that we'd be here today. So your insulation, like um, as a proprietary, something you could license to other companies, right? Like a Gore-Tex, for example? Where you could license this to North Face, Patagonia, et cetera. Is, is that the aim or do you, do you just want to be Oros and, and not 
you know, licenses out? I don't think Oros will, the Oros apparel brand uh, will ever go away. Um, but Oros said itself and the heartbeat of the company is Oros Labs. Okay. Uh, and Oros Labs is where we create the most advanced thermal materials on the planet. I see. All okay. against the vision of solving these big global challenges that we reference, right? Mm -hmm. Of um, thermal energy usage and thermal materials. Um, the Oros Apparel brand is the purest manifestation of less is warm. It is a validator for our technology. Every person in our product, every ad, uh, every time someone sees someone in our product, it uh, speaks volumes uh, around the validity uh, of the technology platform that we're creating. Um, uh, uh, but our, but we are a material technology company, and we. Our technology is provided to a series of partners, including the um, United States Department of Defense and um, some other clients as well. I don't think that we'll ever sell to another apparel brand uh, the technology, um, uh, but uh, uh, the other markets are very wide open and um, markets that we're fortunate to be partnered in. Why, why wouldn't you sell it to other companies? I'm just interested. Uh, I think it cannibalizes the Oros Apparel brand. Um, but for example, um, SolarCore currently powers uh, some of the footwear, insulated footwear for LL Bean uh, okay. and Cabela's, um, powered by SolarCore on the insulated winter footwear. Um, uh, so uh, the consumer market as a whole is a pretty large opportunity uh, to transform thermal materials. Um, uh, but the Oros Apparel brand is kind of that shining beacon, the the, the purest definition of um, lessons form. Yeah. You know, I'm interested because if I wear, so let's say, you know, this is February in New York and it's, you know, whatever, 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm wearing uh, just a regular insulated down jacket. And what it does, obviously, is there, there's it captures the warm air and that's what warms up my body. But then I go inside, let's say, to a bar, immediately whew, I get hot, right? Because all that air that's captured in my body just warms me up. And now the place that I'm in is warm. have to take off the jacket immediately. How does this uh, act or react when moving from such uh, drastic, you know, weathers from like 10 to 50 or whatever it is in a split second? Like, does it react the same as, as a down or a synthetic down would or completely different? It's a beautiful question. We need to talk about both our current technology, solar core, sure, as well as the fiber that we're developing. With the current technology, solar core, we need to look at the competition and how they tackle the breathability problem, uh, starting with Goose Down. Uh, Goose Down, as its own material, is very breathable or decently breathable. Mm -hmm. The challenge is when you put it in a garment, um, the fabric surrounding goose down needs to be very tightly woven such that it prevents the down uh, from escaping. Yeah. And with that, those tightly woven fabrics, you're drastically cutting down uh, on the breathability or airflow 
uh, of that garment, which is why you, you have that reaction of, you know, uh, you're at a good temperature and then you, you get into an environment that's drastically different. And, um, you know, if it's warmer, you start overheating, uh, is because of that prevention of breathability. Uh, synthetics on the other hand, uh, certainly don't have that challenge. Uh, and so you're able to, uh, for lack of a better term, loosen the, the, the woven or the knit structure surrounding that insulation on a synthetic insulation, thereby creating the needed airflow of breathability. Solar core, uh, fits into that category. We, we don't need to worry about, uh, uh, uh the migration is the technical term, the migration of, 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 uh, solar core, like you do with goose down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, uh, so we're able to have really breathable fabrics surrounding solar core, the current technology. And then solar core itself uh, is breathable, roughly the 40 CFM or cubic uh, feet uh, per minute of airflow uh, uh, on solar core itself. Um, so solar core. How, so how is that pretty, comparable to like a, a synthetic, for example? Um, it depends. It's uh, probably in the upper quartile, I'd say, of um, outdoor insulations from a breathability perspective. Okay. Um, there are going to be some that are more breathable, some that are less. Um, but uh, net net, solar core is a pretty breathable um, insulation. Um, and the, then the bonus is uh, we don't have to worry about those challenges of migration that you would with 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 goose down, um, thereby allowing us to create a pretty innately breathable product with the current solar core technology, uh, avoiding a lot of the, the circumstances that you just mentioned earlier. Yeah. So that's how we tackle that problem with solar core with the fiber. Um, it is all about knit structure. So just because you have a really warm fiber, you know, you have a lot of flexibility and control as you knit that fiber up. You can choose how loose the knit is. You can choose the type of knit it is. Uh, you can choose how tightly woven it is. Um, and all those things factor into breathability. Uh, a lot of other, factors as well right like haptic hand feel uh so it's within that minutia of control of the knit structure that we encourage breathability in the right areas and more insulation in the others uh and i've done a good amount of studies on the human body and every body's different and um but uh where the body generally produces more heat for sweat um And, you know, male bodies are different than female bodies from that perspective as well. And, but uh, holistically have structured our garments for the fiber technology around that premise of uh, uh, maximizing breathability while maintaining insulation. Dude, you know, I, I remember I was trying to like draw a parallel earlier, but I remember when I got my first iPhone, like my mind was blown. I was like, this little, this thing could like, it's got internet. Like just, it does all these things. I can, you know, there's Facebook. Like I, I, my, it took me a while to like get my head around it. It was just such a new thing. Cause before I would have the flip phone forever. And this is similar. Like if I, so for example, moved out to Denver six months or so ago, a lot of outdoors activity, right? Like I'm climbing 13ers, I'm going in elevation. I plan to do a lot of 14ers this summer, snowboarding, skiing, et cetera, et cetera. If this jacket can keep me warm at, at those elevations where now I'm like four or five layers deep, you know, and I got the big hoodie on and 
it's I, I feel like I'm gonna have one of those same moments where it was just like push, like mind blown. I can't believe this is doing that. It's I, it, it would be on par for me. A hundred percent. That's that's the visceral reaction that we are a hundred percent after. Our view, and I I can't understate it, is this industry of thermal materials for whatever reason um, is incredibly antiquated mm-hmm. and the benefit of solving this problem of the Michelin man look and what it means on a global scale from both a thermal material usage perspective and a thermal energy perspective is immense. Um, and we are honored and excited to be bringing a solution to the table to tackle those problems. I feel like that's why it's so important to, I, 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 almost, I sometimes I'll hear like people mock or belittle, um, things like what Elon Musk is doing or Jeff Bezos or any things that, that any out, um, any Mars or uh, things that has to do with uh, outer planets, journeys, expeditions, adventures. But a lot of the technology that we use today, it's stuff that NASA originally created. And I'm sure you, I mean, you guys aren't the first company to use, um, you know, technology created by NASA for consumer apparel or not maybe apparel, but consumer products, right? A hundred percent. Look at Velcro. Look at the, microwaves. Oh, really? Velcro? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, less cool, but look at Tang. Um, uh, yeah, uh, NASA um, has been a phenomenal um, outlet uh, for technology that ends up going to the commercial market. Um, and I think there's case study after case study of that. I think you're 100%. Right, um, and and I, I even opened that up to government as a whole. You know, there's a lot of um, reports or, or 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 documents saying that government was the first VC or venture capital firm. <laughs> you know, uh, whether that be grants or you know other types of partnerships with defense and. Um, uh, I mean, you talk about Elon, I, I think that's certainly the case, um, both at Tesla and, and SpaceX, you know, uh, after his fourth launch at SpaceX, um, the one that ended up working, that's when he got you know the phone call from NASA for the, I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but billion dollar contract, mm-hmm. which certainly allowed SpaceX to be successful. And at Tesla, I think pretty early on, they had a pretty big um, loan. Uh, from the government as well that allowed them to succeed. So I'd, I'd say I'd broaden it beyond NASA and um, go to the, the benefits of uh, U.S. government as a, as a whole. Yeah, the man is a genius. I saw you tweeted out today um, or today or yesterday that Tesla could be like 10 different startups because a lot of the internal uh, things that they've developed over time could easily spawn off and, and you know, and, and spin off and, and be its own company. 
And that's, you know, and then I think yesterday they raised, I forget what the valuation was, but over a billion dollars for the boring company. They raised like $500 million. So the man is just, so he's an amazing person. I love the guy. Yeah. Uh, very uh, unique individual. Um, it seems like to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's the process? You figure out solar core, right? Took you about two years in R and D. And then now you have to start a company, right? Like what, what's the process to take us through that journey? Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I never, I never thought I would start a company. It was never my intent. And, um, looking back, um, you know, I, there was certainly this grand vision of the, the big problem, um, of thermal materials and thermal energy. And it started with, you know, solving the Michelin man thing. And, um, but it was a crazy dream and, um, it was, you know, constant, problem solution or said another way, step-by-step process, right. Of I was on the mountain and had that problem and came back to the U S and couldn't find a solution until I was fortunate enough to get the astronaut scholarship. And through that learned about aerogel and then ran into the other problem of it was brittle. And so then we made it not brittle. Yeah. And then um, we ran into the next problem of, gosh, we don't have any money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, um, we needed to get our, the, basically the minimum viable product or beta of our, um, technology, our first jackets out into the world. And, um, we weren't able to afford, uh, what's called MOQs or minimum order quantity, which mm-hmm. is when you, you know, work with the uh, the vendor or the person manufacturing their goods, they're not just going to manufacture like two or five or 10, right? You got to have a certain minimum. Yeah. Um, that minimum was a thousand jackets. And I think the cost on the jackets was a hundred bucks. So you do the math. It's, we needed a hundred grand, um, uh, in order to afford MOQ, which, you know, two kids, um, from the Midwest, we, we didn't have. Uh, so we, we ended up, running a Kickstarter campaign, um, as we were graduating college, um, uh, and for the, for the jackets to afford the MOQ and the goal was a hundred grand. And, um, in the first 36 hours, we, we had a 125 grand more money than we've ever seen before in our lives. And, wow. um, that was the, the start of Oros and closed at like 300 something. And, um, it, it was a really exciting time. I think that's when we got our first kind of validation that we, we might be onto something. Um, uh, and, and so that was the next problem solution set, um, kind of to get us to where we are today. But my point in bringing all that up is the whole journey's, um, uh, been problem solution. Um, uh, you know, sciencing the shit out of whatever you do. You have a hypothesis and you test it, and either you're right or you're wrong, and you adjust accordingly um, along the way. So, that must have been a massive boost in confidence to get that money from Kickstarter. Because, as you said, like that's a pat on the back. That's like, oh, people like what we're doing and they're willing to pay for it. Let's run with it. it yeah, it, you know, it was good because it gave us 
traction, yeah. which then allowed us to go raise a seed round, which was the next problem solution set, right? Um, uh, and, and so it was good from that perspective, uh, but also, candidly, it was uh, I think it was really good for our, our parents as well, less about the, the money, but more about the the PR yeah. that came around that. Because, you know, when you tell your, your parents as you're graduating college, Hey, I'm not going to go to med school. I'm going to go start a business. They don't, they don't get too excited about that. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a positive moment. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I think that PR though was very, um, it's like, uh, aloe on a, on a sun, on a sunburn. It was, um, very alleviating, I think, yeah. uh, to them for that. So th- yeah, there were multiple benefits with, uh, the Kickstarter for sure. How much have you guys raised in total to date? Oh gosh. Um, over, I believe over $20 million of, of venture capital, wow. uh, um, uh, that we've raised. Yes. That's awesome. And phenomenal partners that were, um, honored to have around the table, uh, as well. So, um, have you guys ever entertained like opening a, a, a I know you guys are in Portland now, right? The headquarters. Yes, that's correct. Have you ever entertained the thought of opening like a, a brick and mortar, or is that not something you're you're really interested in? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, we we had brick and mortar, uh, and then um, there was this global pan- pandemic. Uh, I heard of it. I, I heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> that came along. Um, uh, 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 so that 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 um, that was a unique experience for sure. Um, How are you guys but, affected? Um, Sorry, I don't mean to, to cut you oh, yeah. off. No, um, you, you know, in some ways positive, and, and in some ways negative. Um, and it's horrible to stay positive, you know, with with um, the effects of of COVID on the world. But um, there was this unique, like a year into COVID, um, this unique kind of global feeling. Um, where people wanted to reconnect. And when you spend so much time indoors, um, it seemed like people had a need to get back outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was this unique moment in time in COVID where um, the outdoor industry as a whole uh, was on fire. Uh, golf club sales. Uh, at an all-time high, uh, outdoor apparel sales at an all-time high, uh, and I think it was driven by this human need of being cooped inside for so long. Uh, you, you know, there was this drive to get outside, whether for nature bathing, like you know, uh, uh, emotional reprieve or um, spiritual reprieve or, or whatever, and and that was very beneficial of course for for oros apparel the the apparel brand from that perspective um uh, but there are certainly negatives as well you know covid um uh macroeconomic uh effects on supply chain and um supply chain uh air freight costs uh for having to air freight units and freight as a whole uh drastically jumping up in, in expenses so I think there's positives and negatives in terms of how it affected Oros as a business, uh, for sure. Uh, so I almost think that co- that this COVID thing was almost like our '60s, 
Like <laughs> in the sixties, like so many things happen, right? A lot of bad, a lot of good. And same with COVID a lot of bad, a lot of good. Um, I don't, I think, and it, it is weird saying that, that good about COVID because obviously, you know, a lot of people died, but there's, there was a shift people, you know, I, like, for example, I wouldn't be in Denver probably right now with, without COVID. Right. And a lot of people started to think outside the box of, Oh, wait, I don't have to be right next to the office or I don't have to pay this sorbent amount in, in living in this apartment that in the city that I don't really want to live and I can live closer to nature and still make money. And so there was like, just for example, I live in a building now that has 200 apartments. Um, if I had to guess, and I haven't met anyone, but I've met maybe half the people so far, 90% of the people are not from Denver. They are people from Chicago, from LA, from New York, from Boston, DC. So there's been a massive exodus from a lot of these big cities and just a shift in how people communicate, how people work, how people want to live. Like it gave people kind of like maybe a moment to breathe because collectively as, uh, the whole world had to stop, right? And then when you stop and you're in your apartment all day, a lot of people by themselves, maybe not with a, a, a significant other or family, like, well, uh, sucks. I don't want to be alone. I don't know anybody in the city. Maybe I should live closer to family. Maybe I should think about how I want to live my life. So there is, there was something, or is still something that that happened in the past few years. That's interesting. I, I, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Um, the, the 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 point being, um, uh, yes, brick and mortar experiences. Um, uh, we're launching several. Um, this this fall uh new york chicago a couple of other locations as well um it's a great place to um build awareness uh for the technology uh for the brand and to build community um uh, of people that support and believe in you know what we're doing and building you guys should open one in denver this is the outdoors uh, mecca I, I totally agree. We're looking at it. Uh, <laughs> Denver's an awesome place. Uh, actually, I'll be there in uh, a month or so. Um, and I, you, we should get together when I'm there. But, 100%. Um, cool. Um, cool. All right. Before I let you go, just I'm, I'm interested. Um, so you, you essentially you started this company kind of right out of college, right? Do you yeah. think there is an advantage to that? naivete maybe that, that a young person has that they don't know what the struggles of, of, of an entrepreneurship is and they kind of just can roll into a company and say, I can do this. I can take on the world. And then maybe when you're in your thirties or forties, that kind of disappears because, you know, you take a beating uh, such as you do in life. I just, I'm just interested to, to get your, because it's one thing to want to start a company and it's another thing to like to be the CEO, right? Now you run a company, you have to make hard decisions, you have to pay people. It's completely different once you get into that role, right? Yeah, I think you're making a great point. I think, you know, a lot of, for better or worse, um, to take on a vision like we've taken on at Oros, and it's not just me, it's the whole team collectively in the mindset that we've adopted. Um, a lot of hubris is needed, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, to to take that approach um, holistically, and and um, it, it, we have a lot of 
questions in our interview process that make sure that, that there's an alignment of values there. Um, but I think back to your original your, your kind of question is, um, I do think in a lot of ways there is bliss and ignorance. You yeah. Know? Um, you uh, not always knowing what you don't know um, gives you the opportunity to maybe approach a problem in a different way that, than someone who, you know, might know a lot more than you do. Yeah. Um, if we were in the industry or if we really knew outdoor apparel really well, say for example, we might've just thought of a better way to do goose down. Um, if we were in the home building insulation market, might've thought of a better way to do mineral wool. Um, and so I think to your point, having the ignorance might've allowed us to approach the problem in a different way than we would have otherwise. Yeah. Uh, it's super interesting. Um, all right, Michael, I know you got to go. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the pod today. Thanks Roy. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, where, where's the best place for people to find you? www.orosapparel.com is the website. Uh, and my email is michael at orosapparel.com. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And again, Mike, thanks so much today. Thanks, Roy.